0: Welcome, everyone, to the Takeaway Shh Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Smith, and I just wanted to uh, first and foremost say thank you to all my listeners and supporters. As always, without you guys, the show does not exist, and I sound like a broken record every time I say it, but uh, it really does mean the world to me. I'm coming at you on a Sunday night uh, at almost 10 o'clock, and uh, some of you are still watching the Cowboy game as uh, this is being recorded. and. Happy Sunday football to you. It's the first uh, official uh, football Sunday of the season. I hope your teams won. If they didn't, always next week. Uh, But uh, I wanted to do a special episode for this week. Um, And as you know, it's not just Sunday football. It's also the day before we celebrate the 22nd anniversary of the attacks at the World Trade Center and on the Pentagon, and the plane that crashed in Pennsylvania in the middle of a field. And I wanted today to kind of go over uh, events of what happened on 9-11, but not just that, but just go over to uh, survivor in story, uh, survivor stories that... Um, we don't always hear. We hear about the big event, we hear about the towers, and but we don't hear about the people who live through it, who live to tell it, and still share their stories. So today I'm going to do a little bit of both, and I hope that today's episode just helps you remember and appreciative, and also to a reminder to hug your loved ones, hug the people around you, tell the people around you that you love them make every day count because like these people in this story, we never know when, when our, our, last day is. And I, I can't even imagine just what they're, what they still are dealing with the trauma and the, just of the tragedy surrounding what happened on that beautiful day in New York city and We just, uh, we need to uh, do our best to remember and to be appreciative. So I want to start off with, uh, according to Britannica, um, I use this as my main uh, source, and it basically took things through a timeline. It was the best one that I could come up with that could fill in this episode. So on September 11, 2001, Groups of attackers boarded four domestic aircraft at three East Coast airports. And soon after takeoff, they disabled the crew, some of whom may have been stabbed with box cutters the hijackers were secreting. The hijackers then took control of the aircraft, all large and bound for the West Coast with full loads of fuel. At 8.46 a.m., the first plane, American Airlines Flight 11, which had originated from Boston, was piloted into the North Tower of the World Trade Center in New York City. Most observers construed this initially to be an accident involving a small commuter plane. The second plane, United Airlines Flight 175, also from Boston, struck the South Tower 17 minutes later. At this point, there was no doubt that the United States was under attack. Each structure was was badly damaged by the impact and erupted into flames. Office workers who were trapped above the points of impact, in some cases, leapt to their death rather than face the infernos now raging inside the towers. The third plane, American Airlines Flight 77, taken off from Dulles Airport near Washington, D.C., struck the southwest side of the Pentagon, just outside of the city at 9.37 a.m., touching off a fire in that section in the structure. Minutes later, the Federal Aviation Authority ordered a nationwide ground stop within the next hour at 10.03 a.m. The fourth aircraft, United Airlines Flight 93 from Newark, New Jersey, crashed near Shanksville into Pennsylvania countryside after its passengers informed the events via cellular phone attempted to overpower the assailants. At 9.58, 9 a.m., the World Trade Center's heavenly damaged South Tower collapsed, and the North Tower fell 29 minutes later. Clouds of smoke and debris quickly filled the streets of lower Manhattan. Office workers and residents who ran in panic as they tried to outpace the billowing debris clouds. A number of other buildings adjacent to the Twin Towers suffered serious damage and several subsequently, subsequently fell. The fires at the World Trade Center site smoldered for more than three months. Rescue operations began almost immediately, as the country and the world sought to come to grips with the enormity of losses. Nearly 3,000 people had perished, some 2,750 people in New York, 184 at the Pentagon, and 40 in Pennsylvania. All 19 terrorists also died. Included in the total in New York City were more than 400 police officers firefighters who lost their lives rushing to the scene and into the towers. On the morning of September 11th, President Bush had been visiting a second-grade classroom in Sarasota, Florida. where, When he was informed that a plane had flown into the World Trade Center. A little later, Andrew Card, his chief of staff, whispered in the president's right ear, a second plane hit the second tower. America is under attack. To keep the president out of harm's way, Bush subsequently hopscotched across the country on Air Force One, Landing in Washington, D.C. the evening of the attacks, and at 8.30 p.m., Bush addressed the nation from the Oval Office in a speech that laid out a key doctrine. We will make no distinction between between the terrorists who committed these acts and those who harbor them. On September 14, Bush visited Ground Zero, the smoking pile of debris of what remained of the World Trade Center and thousands who had perished there. Standing on top of a wrecked fire truck, Bush grabbed a bullhorn to address the rescue workers, working feverishly to find any survivors. When one of those workers said that he could not hear what the president was saying, Bush made one of the most memorable remarks of his presidency. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you and the people who knock these buildings down will hear from us all soon. Before Bush's robust response to the attacks drove his poll ratings from 55% favorable before September 11th to 90% in the days after, the highest ever recorded for a president. So I wanted to transition over to hear some of the survivor stories um, before going even further. Uh, This is according to Insider.com. Brian Clark was one of the 18 people in the South Tower to escape from a floor above where the plane was struck. During his descent from the 80th floor of the 2nd World Trade Center, where the office of his international brokerage firm was, Clark stopped to save the life of a man, Stanley Premuth, who was trapped. Premuth was pinned underneath some debris behind a wall that had stood firm, and Clark, who was 75, was able to hook his arms around Plymouth and lift him over. Tom Canavan dug upwards and crawled out of the rubble. Canavan, who worked at the first union brokerage firm, was buried alive when the first tower fell on 9-11. He was saved from death, and he told Reuters because a large cement wall fell over him, which created a safe pocket in the pile of debris. He began crawling and digging upwards out of the rubble and eventually got to safety. In footage shared by National Geographic from September 11, 2001, Canavan describes his escape with remarkable calmness. Captain J. Jonas survived because he stopped to rescue a fallen woman. Captain J. Jonas and five of his firefighters from Ladder Company 6 were exiting a search and rescue mission in the North Tower, and shortly after, South Tower collapsed. While Jonas and the unit were on their way down the stairs, they spotted Josephine Harris, a 59-year-old bookkeeper who had fallen and was uh, unable to continue her descent. They stopped to help get her to safety. Shortly after the North Tower collapsed around them, but Harris and the men were not crushed. You cannot say that something that happened to you is a miracle. Jonas told. Jonas told the New York Times, but we had the courage to do what we did. You can say that if she if she was not there for us to save her, we probably would not have made it. So back to the aftermath of the attacks. The emotional distress caused by the attacks, particularly the collapse of the Twin Towers, New York's most visible landmark, was overwhelming. Unlike the relatively isolated side of Pearl Harbor attack of 1941, to which the September 11th events were soon compared, the World Trade Center lay at the heart of one of the world's largest cities. Hundreds of thousands of people witnessed the attacks firsthand, many onlookers photographed events or recorded them with their video cameras, and millions watched the tragedy unfold live on television. In the days that followed, September 11th, the footage of the attacks was replayed in the media countless times, as were the scenes of throngs of people stricken with grief gathering at Ground Zero, as the site where the towers once stood came to be commonly known, some with photos of missing loved ones seeking some, some hint of their fate. So, as you can tell, that this event was so shaking and so just impactful that to this day, the landmark is a reminder, not was a reminder then of something horrible happening, but now it's a reminder of hope. It's a reminder that we can come together in a time of need, in a time of desperation, a time where tragedy has taken place, people still have empathy, people still have sympathy, and they can bring each other together and comfort each other and mourn each other. After the attacks of September 11th, countries allied with the United States rallied to its support, perhaps best symbolized by the French newspaper headline, We Are All Americans Now. Even in Iran, thousands gathered in the capital of Tehran for a candlelight vigil. Evidence gathered by the United States soon convinced most government that the Islamic militant group, al-Qaeda, was responsible for the attacks. The group had been implicated in previous terrorist strikes against Americans, and bin Laden had made numerous anti-American statements. Al-Qaeda was headquartered in Afghanistan and had forged a close relationship with that country's ruling Taliban militia which subsequently refused U.S. demands to extradite bin Laden and to terminate al-Qaeda activity there. And for the first time in its history, NATO invoked Article 5, which allowed its members to respond collectively in self-defense, and on October 7th, the U.S. and allied military forces launched an attack against Afghanistan. Within months, thousands of militants were killed or captured, and Taliban and al-Qaeda leaders were driven into hiding. And in addition, the U.S. government exerted great effort to track down other Al-Qaeda agents and sympathizers throughout the world and make combating terrorism the focus of the United U.S. foreign policy. I want to switch over to the museum that's in New York, the World Trade Center Museum. You can actually go to their website, and I will link it in the description. I'm looking at these photos, and... Guys, I have to tell you, and, and if you haven't seen the photos or you maybe haven't been to the memorial garden uh, or the waterfall, I should say, where the former former Twin Tower stood, it is the most beautiful, breathtaking sight that I have ever seen. And the, the fact that you can turn something so devastating and so horrible they didn't ask for this the people in new york didn't ask for this the people in washington dc didn't ask for this the passengers on the flight in pennsylvania didn't ask for this but because of that they all came together bonded together and they now just have a story and for those who didn't survive families and friends if you are listening to this podcast I just want to express my deepest condolences to you, and that I know the pain doesn't go away. I know that it's always going to be there. It's You're not going to understand. You're not going to be able to maybe get past it. Maybe you have. But we, you, I want you to know that on behalf of everyone else in America and around the world, we do sympathize with you on this day. And I know this is, must be a very difficult day to remember. and. It gets brought up all over again, but maybe try challenging yourself that this year, instead of looking at it from a tragic perspective, look at it as a, you're a champion perspective. You're you're a survivor. You're a champion. And while you are a hard victim, it is hard to not see yourself as a victim because you are, But we see ourselves as champions and we see ourselves as victors. We can see the whole situation through a new lens and that's what you are. You're a champion and on behalf of the people in America and around the world, we, we love you. We love you, your family. We love your friends and the people that you lost. They're forever going to be in your heart and they're forever going to be part of you just because someone else took them away. Doesn't mean they have to take them away from you and your heart and they will always be there. That's why they have this museum. And I would love to go visit this museum whenever I have a chance. I feel like it would be not only just educational, but also a humbling experience to gain some humility that not every day is promised. Not every day is a a a demanded, not every day is going to be easy. Because what you're going through, even 22 years later, it's still brought up. It's still celebrated. It's still recognized. And you're part of that. You're part of that time and that event. And for the people in New York City, and maybe you're still living there. Really, just my heart and all of my prayers and all of my love go to you. This was an unforeseen tragedy. This was something that you didn't deserve. But here you are, still here, still making it, and still sharing your story. And that's the most important thing. Share your story. Don't ever let it get away from you. Don't ever let it escape you. You are, you're more than this tragedy. You're beyond this tragedy. And you can do something with it. You can be, use it for a beautiful opportunity to witness to other people. And this year for September 11th, as we remember and we look back on that time as we all were attacked, may we be able to stand strong and fight for this country and to be able to just be more appreciative, be more understanding, and to just... Not take every day for granted and not just see every day for just another day to exist. No, you're here for a purpose. For those who survived this event, you're here for a purpose. You're still standing. Speak for those who didn't. Share your story. Show love. It's a very fast-paced world. It's a very cold world. Let's show love. Let's show warmth to other people. Well, guys, that's all I have for you today. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you enjoyed, uh, hearing some survivor stories. Like I said, I will link the, uh, both articles or actually all three articles in the description below. If you want to check it out, if you are living in New York and you hear this, please write in, um, would love to hear maybe you were there during this time event maybe you are maybe you were affected by this event if you are or have been affected you know somebody family friends please write in and um just know that you are loved and you're you're seen you're heard and here at the takeaway we love you we love your story we love your heart and i don't know you and i haven't met you but i would love to hear you from you and that you uh, heard this episode, and I would love to hear your feedback. But until then, guys, I will see you on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Have a great week, and thank you again for listening. Good night.